any other uh, person that people follow is still in the grave, right? But Jesus came back from the grave. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, if you have your Bible and you want to follow along a little bit, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is a great chapter on the resurrection. And uh, in chapter uh, 15, verse 17, the Apostle Paul says this, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. Your faith is futile. If Christ has not been raised, if somebody could prove that Christ never came back from the dead, all of Christianity would collapse. But Christ did come back from the dead, right? The resurrection is proof. Number one, that God accepted the sacrifice on the cross for all of our sins. If anybody's still walking around living with guilt, come to the cross and realize that all of our sin has been forgiven. Past, present, future. Right? All of our sins were future when Jesus went on the cross. All of our sins were future 2,000 years ago. And they were all forgiven. And the resurrection is proof that God accepted his sacrifice on our behalf. Remember the last thing Jesus said is, it is finished. Hallelujah. The second thing that we uh, read in in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians is um, that death has been defeated. The second proof that uh, the resurrection proves to us is that death has been defeated. Uh, Down in verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery, We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. We will be changed. We will put on an eternal body, and we will live forever uh, in eternity in heaven. What a great uh, gift God has given us, the defeat of death. Death has been defeated. I think if you try to uh, figure out this life without factoring in eternity and the life on the other side of the grave, you'll just frustrate yourself. You can't do it. This life doesn't make sense, right, to us who know uh, what's coming on the other side. And then third, I'd like to suggest to you that the resurrection is proof that Jesus is available to us today. Jesus is available for us to know in a personal way. In fact, one of the great things that he wants to do is to know each of us personally. And in 1 Corinthians 15 and uh, verse 47, uh, again, we read uh, these words, that the first man, Adam, was from the earth. He was a man of dust. And the second man is from heaven. Jesus is from heaven. And then verse 49, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. What a great uh, opportunity to look forward to all that the resurrection uh, holds for us on a personal level. Now, I want to tell you, um, truth be told, right, nowhere in the scripture are we encouraged or instructed to remember Jesus' birth, Christmas. Not that it's a bad thing, but nowhere are we told that. But everywhere in scripture we're told to remember his death and resurrection. Never let his death and resurrection get out of your sight. This do in remembrance of me. Never forget, right? Until I come back again. Um, I have to tell you, I love the motto of your church. 
Um, the gospel changes everything. Now, it's process. doesn't happen all at once. But the truth is, the gospel does change everything about our lives. And First uh, Corinthians 15, this great chapter, the Apostle Paul, when he starts out at the very beginning of this uh, you know, chapter of Scripture, look what he says. He says, I would remind you in the first verse, brothers, of the gospel. I want to remind you, you can't forget this, uh, the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. There are two kinds of beliefs that Paul talks about here in the very uh, first couple of verses of the 15th chapter of Corinthians. He talks about a faith, a belief that holds fast, and he talks about a belief that's in vain. A belief that holds fast is a belief that changes everything about us. It's a belief that changes the way we think the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about God, the way we think about the world, the way we think about other people. It changes the way we think. And it goes on to change the way we feel, the way we feel about ourselves, the way we feel about other people. And it goes on to change the way we act and the choices that we make. The gospel that holds fast, that when we hold fast to that gospel, it goes on to change everything about our lives. Uh, the belief that's in vain that Paul mentions is, I think, also mentioned in the book of James, where we're told that the demons even believe, right? But it doesn't do them any good because they're not about to let the truth of the gospel change anything in them, all right? So the gospel really does change everything. Two kinds of belief. And I want to suggest to you that um, Paul then gives uh, a great description of what the gospel is in verse 3 to 5. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance, the single most important thing that you could possibly grasp is what we call the gospel, the good news of God from heaven through Jesus Christ. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve and to five hundred other people as the text goes on. I delivered to you of first importance. Uh, you know why it's very important, first importance, because it changes everything else about us. Uh, for Christians, um, a lack of this faith that holds fast is very seldom about belief. Usually it's about fear. All over the scriptures, God would invite us to have our faith grow and to challenge our faith and to expand our faith. And so all the time, uh, God is inviting us to uh, grow a deeper relationship with Christ. But one of the things that slows us down is fear. Um, it's not that we don't believe the gospel. It's that when it comes to integrating the gospel into our lives, oftentimes fear overrides what we know in our minds to be the truth. Just think about some of the things that God invites us uh, to do as we follow him. And think about how many times fear gets in the way. C.S. Lewis said, faith 
is the art of holding on to things your reason has accepted in spite of your changing emotions. Faith. Faith is more than belief. And oftentimes, fear interferes with us growing our faith. Uh, Fear can sometimes override our trust in what we believe. Now, our world today, right, is filled with events that are causing increasing amounts of fear in people. For the first time in a real long time, the whole thought of a um, nuclear uh, holocaust is hanging in the air. It scares people. Um, For the first time, or not the first time, but, you know, uh, right now, financial fears are the result of the inflation that we're experiencing. I mean, we can just go through. The whole world feels unstable when we watch on our uh, TVs what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, It feels like there's a lot of uncertainty. And a whole number of uh, issues. COVID has caused, you know, uh, 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 an epidemic of fear among people. And we hear of these reports of uh, increased amounts of uh, medications going out to people to deal with anxiety and uh, frustration and fears about uh, what might happen in the future. Not to mention our own personal fears, our issues in our families and uh, uh, our issues at work and our issues in our own inner lives. And um, during World War II, Winston Churchill Um, quoted our president, President Roosevelt, and uh, you remember he said in a very famous speech that really kind of turned things around during World War II, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. You remember when he said that? We have nothing to fear but fear itself. And I would suggest to you that uh, in the Bible we might have the origin of that thought in um, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, verse 7, where God uh, says to us in this passage of scripture, that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear doesn't come from God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Um, In fact, uh, there are actually over 366 times where the Bible says fear not, one for every day of the year. Um, Somebody counted all of those up, and uh, not just fear not, but things like, you know, do not be afraid and so forth. God tells us not to fear, but instead to put our faith in him. Fear not is the most common command uh, in the scriptures. And so I want to suggest to you this morning on Easter Sunday that Easter presents us with a choice. Uh, Easter invites us to trade in more of our fears for more faith in what God's accomplished in the gospel. Easter presents us with a choice. Trade in more of our fears for more faith in the gospel, a deeper faith in the person of Christ. And the Bible, again, always invites us to grow. And so when we become aware of something that threatens us, of some trial, some uh, thing that might harm us. It can be a relationship. It can be a rumor at work. It can be a tumor on a CAT scan. It can be, uh, you know, some world event, some tragedy, whatever it is. uh, We're always confronted with a choice when we become aware of those kinds of things. We can respond with either fear or faith, but you can't have both. Fear and faith cannot occupy the same space at the same time. We have to choose between fear and faith. And this is a process. 
You know, many people in the Bible were afraid at one time in their lives. Many people in the Bible had to uh, learn to grow by choosing to believe, to put their faith in God and in his word and what he did and in the gospel uh, in order for them to overcome the fears that they were afraid about. So think of something that you fear. Think of something that makes you anxious. Think of something that's like out of your control. Can you think of a fear that God doesn't have an answer for? Can you think of a single fear that God does not have an answer for? Uh, you're probably familiar with uh, the passage in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and verse 20, uh, you know, this is just a great verse, especially on Easter Sunday. For all, all the promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ. All the promises of God. Now, God's made a lot of promises in the Bible. Some are for this life and some are for the life to come. And it takes wisdom to discern and not get confused about uh, where that line is drawn. But all of the promises of God are ours in Christ. And then uh, Paul goes on here and, and he says this in verse 21. It's God who establishes us in Christ. And it's God who anoints us. And it's God who has also put his seal upon us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. It's God who does these things for us. And we uh, realize them and live in them and enjoy them. Um, and so uh, even the fear of death is uh, addressed on Easter Sunday. Hebrews chapter 2 talks specifically about that. And so we have a choice. Are we going to live by more faith or are we going to allow fear to rob us of what God paid a huge price uh, to give us? And by the way, in the scriptures, faith has a name. Biblical faith has a name, and his name is Jesus, right? Biblical faith, faith has a name. His name is Jesus. Faith always has an object, and our faith is only ever as good as the object that we put our faith in. Um, people will talk about, well, I have faith. Well, it's important to kind of ask, well, faith in what? Or faith in who? Because our faith is only as good as the object of our faith. Sometimes I like to ask people, hey, do you believe in God? And most people say yes. You know, and then I like to say, well, can you tell me something about the God that you believe in? What's he like? What does he value? What does he have to say? How would he respond to this and that and so forth? And so many people just kind of go blank. Well, yeah, I have faith in God, but I don't know anything about him. You know, and I can't tell you anything about him, and I, I don't really know him on some kind of a personal level. It's a faith or a belief that I have, but I really haven't allowed that belief to turn into faith by which I lean on what I believe and by which I grow uh, on what I believe. And so the truth uh, is, you know, that in life, um, it's not really that big a deal what happens to us. The big deal is what happens in us and how we respond to what happens to us. Because we don't uh, have much control over what happens to us. All kinds of things come at us over the course of our life. But we have given power, the scriptures tell us, to respond to the things that happen to us with faith. 
And that's one of the great things uh, about the resurrection. If we go back to that Timothy passage, um, we see that Timothy says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? A spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of self-control. God has given us a spirit of power. And you might think about that. We have the power to respond with faith to the various things that come up in our lives. In Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, the 18th verse, the Apostle Paul again says this. He says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that's at work in our lives. The same power that took the absolute worst thing that ever happened, Jesus being crucified on the cross, and that power took and turned that worst thing into the best thing that could ever happen. He turned it into our salvation. And that same power that can take whatever fearful thing comes our way and turn it around so that good comes from it and that God's purposes are achieved by it is the power that's at work in us. Uh, fear paralyzes us, but faith you know, energizes us and enables us to live the life that God's called us to. But faith is more than belief. Very seldom are Christians stifled in their faith because of unbelief. It's usually because of some kind of fear. Faith is, um, uh, faith is the key uh, to, uh, the, the key to faith is, is to stake our lives on what we believe, to lean on what we believe in such a way that our lives become dependent on it. To live by faith is to weave the gospel into every corner of our being. Faith, you know, is talked about in um, Hebrews chapter 11, the great uh, chapter on faith. It's kind of called the Hall of Fame of all these different people who did all these different things by choosing faith. And it's a very uh, encouraging, you know, uh, chapter. Somebody, somebody has said, you know, uh, faith is not logical. And uh, faith is not illogical. Faith is theological. Faith is living your life in dependence on God and on the gospel and what he's done and accomplished for us. Um, it's theological. And Hebrews 11, this great chapter uh, on faith, um, starts out and um, says to us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance. I have so much confidence in what's coming and what God has promised that I lean my life on it and I bet my life on it. You know, faith is the uh, assurance or the substance of things hoped for and uh, it is the evidence or the conviction of things unseen. Um, this chapter uh, lists all these great people, but you know what? When you get to... Uh, there's, there's two kind of summary statements in the midst of all of these great people who live by faith. And the first one is in uh, verse 13, and it says, all of these people that are listed there, you know, uh, died in faith, 
not having received the things promised. They lived by faith about what was their future was going to be, but they didn't see it in this lifetime. They all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them, greeted them from afar. They put their faith in what God said. And uh, they could see them from afar, but they didn't experience them in this lifetime. And then the second kind of uh, uh, summary statement here says, uh, after some more people are listed in what they did by faith, all of these, though commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised. They're Old Testament people. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. They were waiting on the gospel. They were waiting on Jesus to come and to die in their place so that their faith could be turned uh, into this uh, promises that God makes for those who trust him and who put their faith in him. Fear and faith are both about the future. Fear and faith affect us now, but both of them have their focus on the future. Fear says, oh, this or that might happen, you know. Faith says, you know what? Because I trust God, I know this or that is going to happen in the future. And it makes a world of difference whether we approach life with fear or with more faith. Lots of the promises of God are outside of this life. Not everything works out in this life. Uh, People living by faith uh, have uh, some really horrible things happen to them if you Uh, read this uh, whole chapter, you'll see that all kinds of terrible things happen to these people who live by faith. Uh, That's why Easter is such a big thing. There's way more to life than just the first hundred years. There's eternity. We were made in the likeness of God, and he's eternal, and so are we. And on the other side of this life, there awaits for us a whole new life. And the Bible says without faith, right, it's impossible to please God. We can have belief, but belief is not the same as faith. Faith is leaning on what we believe and putting our lives at stake over what we believe. Uh, Belief turns into faith when we trust him. And Jesus warned us, right? In this world, we're going to have tribulations. We're going to have fears. We're going to have trials that come our way. Uh, But the scriptures also tell us that everybody who's born of God overcomes this world. Faith is the victory, right? The Bible says, 1 John, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. It's that power that God has released in us, that God has established in us through his spirit that enables us to respond to the situations in life with faith. Um, James, uh, you know, James actually goes a little further and uh, not only says that these things are actually good for us, but James says, count it all joy when you have these various trials and problems and fears that come your way. Now, that doesn't make any, that's a crazy statement, right? Count it all joy when you encounter all these trials, unless you're a believer and you understand that faith grows when we encounter fears and we encounter trials and we make the choice to go deeper in our faith rather than to give in to fear. Fear and faith are opposite ideas. Tim Keller, who's a rather well-known pastor down in New York City, uh, the founder of Redeemer Presbyterian Church, wrote these words. He said, believers understand many doctrinal truths in their mind, but those truths seldom make the journey down into the heart except through disappointment, failure, and loss. 
A man who seemed about to lose both his career and his family once said to me, I always knew in principle that Jesus is all I need to get through. But you don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And then all of a sudden you realize who Jesus really is. Someone has said that the longest 12 inches in the world is the 12 inches between your head and your heart. The longest 12 inches. We get these things in our head, but to get them down into our heart where they can turn into faith. And so I think what the scriptures are actually saying is that we need these fears to develop our faith. Count it a joy when you encounter these kinds of things because God, by his power, is going to translate into, into faith those fears that come our way. Um, I think the scriptures tell us uh, that God has at least three wills. You know? uh, it's God's sovereign will in which God has a plan and God's going to work his plan and I don't care what you or anybody else does, it's going to happen because God said it was going to happen. And one of the great things about the scripture God says back in the Old Testament, one of the ways you can know that I'm God and you can know that the scriptures are my words is through prophecy. I tell you what's going to happen before it happens and then when it happens you can look back and you can see that this is my word and so on. So God has a sovereign will and nobody can do anything that's going to get God off of what he says he's going to do, his sovereign will. But he also has a moral will. God has a will for our lives, a moral will, that when we read a passage like uh, the Ten Commandments back in Exodus, you know, we realize God has a moral will for us, and all of us have fallen short of that will that he has for our lives. That's why Jesus went to the cross, in order that we might be forgiven for those things that uh, go against God's moral will. And then I would suggest to you that God also has a personal will for each of our lives. A personal will for each of our lives. Uh, and he has a plan for our life. And um, that's what we're talking about this morning. And that's where Easter confronts us with a choice. Am I going to allow fear to get me off the track of God's will for my life? Or am I going to hold fast to the gospel and allow the gospel to change everything about my life and give myself to God's will. And again, remember, this is a process, okay? Um, there's a lot of people in the scriptures who went through periods of fear. Remember Moses, you know, uh, said, oh, I can't talk to Pharaoh, I stutter. I can't do this that you're asking me to do. But eventually Moses' fear turned into faith. Uh, Jeremiah, you remember Jeremiah? He was the prophet of God, and, and he was afraid that he was losing his reputation. People had all kinds of ideas about how crazy he was, and finally he got to the point where he said, you know, curse the day. Curse the, the womb, the, the mother that bore me, and, and curse the guy who came to my father and announced, it's a boy, you know. I mean, Jeremiah got so low, he was afraid of uh, losing his reputation, uh, there's a guy named Asaph who wrote some of the Psalms, and uh, Asaph, you know, was a servant in the temple of God, and, uh, you know, he got to thinking, you know, I'm, I'm just living my life for nothing. I mean, I look around. I'm serving God. I'm doing the best I can. I'm living right and everything, but I look around, and everybody else is doing better than me. Everybody else has more money. Everybody else has more health. Everybody else has, you know, and, and he just, Psalm 73, it's a great Psalm. 
He just says, until I went to the sanctuary of God, until I came to church, and all of a sudden I realized there's more to life than just the first 70, 80 years, you know, and I was able to look past this life and see into the next, and then I realized what a slippery slope uh, other people are on and so forth. Job's wife, you remember, says, curse God and die. She had had it. Abraham was afraid on numerous occasions, Abraham, and he lied. Remember, he uh, was married to a beautiful wife, and he was afraid that somebody would kill him, you know, and have his wife, and so he said, oh, that's my sister, you know, kind of thing, and all of that kind of stuff. So all through the scriptures we have this. Each of these people, however, you know, uh, face their fear and move to faith, and they end up in this uh, Hebrews chapter 11 Hall of Fame Uh, because of moving and making that choice. Well, we have the same choice on Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday blows the doors off of this life and tells us there's a whole life to come that's going to last for eternity. If this life is maybe that long, eternity just goes on and on and on. But what we do in this life determines what will happen to us in eternity. Can we choose faith over fear? And again, uh, one last passage of scripture, that Timothy passage um, in uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.13, uh, Paul says this to young Timothy, who was a little timid himself, if you read uh, through the Timothys. God says this, if we are faithless, he's faithful. Even though we have periods of fear, like so many people in the scriptures, God is faithful because he will not deny himself. And when we choose him, like on this Easter Sunday, over our fears, he will be faithful to do what he has promised to do for each of us. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Father, we're so thankful for Easter. I mean, it's just so jam-packed with truth. And Lord, as we uh, just contemplate and as we take this day to think about what happened on our behalf Through Good Friday and Easter, it changes us. We are different people because of your love for us through Christ. And so I pray, Father, that that truth, that reality, might permeate and marinate each of us to the point where we'll trade in more of our fears for more faith in the gospel that changes everything. Amen.